Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country is riding a mile high, but the Texans will look to put an end to that this weekend in Houston. All that and more on this edition of the bullpen. And welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy. This is Tom Chavaria, and we're here to talk about the Texans. So let's get right into it. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, all these Bronco people, the Waltons, Walmart, you know, uh, all the things you think of when you think of the Broncos, that it's all coming to Houston. Well, there's already Walmart in Houston, but you know, you know what I mean. We're we're gonna be taking on the Broncos, and I I've been talking about it a lot this week. I'm just gonna lead with this question for you the texans uh, are sorry the broncos are not the same team that they were at the beginning of the season they're on a hot streak right now and i think a lot of people are discounting what this matchup is and how difficult it's going to be so i'd just like to get your thoughts do you think that this is going to be more diff- like a difficult matchup for the texans i do think it's going to present a different challenge in the fact that this is a team that most people, I think, feel the Texans should beat. And I think this game is going to be very competitive. I think it's going to be very close. And it's going to require the Texans to take the Broncos very seriously. Because if they, if they, if they play down at all, if they, if they, you know, start off slow, I mean, this is how they've won all their games. Denver, Denver is, is on a nice little streak and they're back in the playoff race because I think teams are still looking at that 70 points that Miami hung on them and think it's that team, and it's just not anymore. I I have to agree with you. I think that, that Denver's defense turned a corner, and that's what kind of got them started on this streak. But Sean Payton, the offensive mind that he is, has, um, has managed to get some buy-in from this Broncos offense. And while it's not the most prolific offense in the entire league, it is reason for concern um, you know, when you combine all the factors of the Broncos defense presenting a problem for the Texans offense, um, which is not a huge problem if the Broncos offense can't score. But once the Broncos offense is, it presents a threat to the Texans defense. Now we've got ourselves a game. So that to me is, is what makes this a little bit more challenging of a matchup. Spe- speaking to Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, I'd like to talk about them for a minute. So leading into this season, the Broncos is thought had, had you know they have the worst contract, worst trade deal that they made ever was to get Russell Wilson there. wasn't playing up to his potential. 
He's kind of turned that around. And then there's bringing in Sean Payton. They had to trade draft compensation to the Saints to get him over. Um, do you think that with the time that has passed since those moves happened, that we have any reason to believe the Broncos made the right move or that they're at least not as bad as they seemed in the onset? I think normally it's somewhere in the middle, right? They're probably not as bad as, as people have seen or thought, and they're, they're probably not as good as they're probably playing right now. I think they're, they're just riding the momentum and it's, it's really, I mean, obviously when you look at these two, Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, they've had enormous success separately. And maybe it just took them a little bit to gel together. I mean, Sean Payton was doing broadcast work before he got in there, you know? So he probably had to like re-acclimate himself to being a head coach and, you know, try to try to get those wheels turning. Whatever it is, it's working. And I I glad that maybe we caught them in the middle of the season as opposed to towards the end because they could be further along. They could be better. Uh, clearly, Russell, Russell Wilson isn't like this juggernaut that he was, you know, in, in years past running and throwing with all these weapons. I don't think he's got the offense to do huge things, but you really just have to take him seriously. Well, Russell Wilson's been in the league for 11 years now, and I think that what we've seen recently from him is why a lot of people are down on athletic quarterbacks. And that is that, I don't know if you remember, I remember it good and well. One of the things that, that caused Russell Wilson to shoot up from third round pick to superstar quarterback was his athleticism, his ability to get out and run. One of his best highlights is literally like on a two point conversion, just running around in the backfield for a whole three minutes straight, trying to find someone open and then lobbing a, a pass into the end zone. So when you lose that, when you lose that step, I would I would equate it to for for the Houston perspective to Jalen Green, where right now his athleticism is great, and that is is what drives his skill as a basketball player. But the concern with Jalen Green is that as his career progresses, if he doesn't develop any skills otherwise than relying on being an incredibly athletic shooting guard, then what does he have? And so Russell Wilson is is a serviceable quarterback. But a lot of his skill comes from his ability to scramble and make make you know plays extend. And so when he doesn't have that, what does he have? And so I think another thing that's improved recently for the Broncos, and I I, I could be wrong, but like if I had to guess, it'd probably be offensive line play. Maybe they, he just wasn't getting as good protection early on. And when he gets good protection, now he doesn't have to extend the play to make a good play, and he has more time to process, which is what he needed. Um, but do you think that Sean Payton's offensive scheme has had an impact on Russell Wilson's play at all? I'm curious as to what has changed from the beginning of the season to now with respect to scheme, where maybe he's probably, I don't want to say probably, maybe he's scheming to Russell Wilson's strengths as opposed to trying to create Drew Brees 2.0. You know, Um so often you see head coaches come in with a with a philosophy and they try to make the quarterback fit the, the the mold of their philosophy rather than try to tailor the philosophy to the quarterback. And for me, I think that's really what's changed now. They're starting to let Russ cook, as they used to say. And um, it's not so much predicated on the run game as much. And you're seeing 
him escape a little bit. You're seeing him be able to extend plays and make plays. And that's something that the Texans really need to be mindful of in order to really take this team seriously and get this win that they very much need to get to a position playoff wise. If that's still a thing they, they want to hope to attain. Yeah. And, and so with that, you mentioned the running game, Javante Williams, that had a really good rookie season, had a lot of promise. Um, a season that was, uh, I believe, is either his rookie season was was uh, cut short by injuries, or he had an injury in his second. I think it was the latter or the former. Uh, but Javante Williams is still recovering, but he's playing really good ball. Um, one of my friends compared him to Travis Etienne, and so I mean, I think it's just a ticking time bomb of that that game that's going to happen where Javante Williams breaks out. So do you think the Texans' run defense can hold him as it is? Or do you think that that, that that should be a concern? I have thought the Texans' run defense all season long has been really, really good. Uh, they used to be such a problem. They were It was like you were getting 100 yards from them easy. Now I think where you beat the Texans with your running backs are in the pass game. If you are able to throw the screen game, if you're able to, you know, swing the ball out, whatever the case may be, uh, or, or run the little, you know, right past the line and then turn around and catch the ball and then go. Those are things that I think still hurt the Texans because their, their linebackers, while they are phenomenal, are still, you know, trying to, I guess, play in the secondary a little bit. So there's space in between there. And that's a scheme thing in my opinion. Um, but as far as like actually running the rock, I haven't seen too many good running backs hang crazy numbers. And that's Bijan, that's ETN, that's the list goes on and on of guys that have had great games after they played the Texans, but really didn't do this big, huge hundred some odd yard performance against the Texans. And the Texans run defense is far better than their past defense, which brings me to my next point. We talked about how maybe Russell Wilson's just not getting as pressured as much. Uh, that's just my guess. I don't have any you know, statistical um, or empirical data that backs that up. But how important do you think it is for the pass rush to get in there and, and apply that pressure to Russell Wilson? Do you, and could that be the difference between winning and losing, like just preventing them from scoring points in, you know, through the air? We're definitely overdue for a game from John Grenard, Will Anderson, Jerry Hughes, whoever it is, where it's like two sacks, you know, wrecking the, the, you know, the other teams, whatever momentum drives, however you want to put it. We, we haven't had that. And I think that that's something that if the Texans are going to be able to really change what's going on now, where they're, they're really playing these super competitive games where it's down to the last play down to the last drive, the defense is going to have to come up and get some stops, win the turnover battle, and, and really just close the door on these guys instead of giving up the field goal, the touchdown, whatever. And I think that starts with the, with the pass rush. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, looking towards the Broncos' defense, the Broncos' defense, to me, is the more concerning part of their game with the way that they've turned it on. I don't know what Sean Payton's got going on over there, who he's got running that that's making it hum the way it is. Um, but I I just think that that's going to be the um, the deeper threat to the Texans' ability to win the game. Um, do, do you think that 
so establishing the run game obviously would help CJ out a lot. But do you think that this is a, a story where, like last week, we talked about how the Texans leaned very heavily on the pass and it kind of put them in a point where, like, the Jaguars were able to pin their ears back and just kind of go for it? Do you think that that's the same concern here that, that we would need to get the run game going to prevent that? Or do you think that this Broncos pass rush is not of the same caliber? Oh, I think this pass rush is better. If you look at the game that the Broncos just played against uh, Cleveland, they absolutely beat up the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks. Didn't matter who it was. P.J. Walker, DTR, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson? Yes. Yeah. Um, they, they beat those guys up. Thompson Robinson came out with a concussion, I believe. Yeah. And uh, P.J. Walker was running for his life. So they have to be really careful with that defensive front so that CJ doesn't end up dinged up. I think that uh, this is going to be a case where Bobby Stokes is going to have to really get creative, try to find ways to keep that defense honest so that CJ can do what he needs to do and they can move the football. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the pass rush, uh, I, I it's been a minute since I looked at who plays on the Broncos, but I just know that they've always fielded a decent defense. Um, that was that was back um, just going back to when Peyton Manning was playing and when they played the Panthers in the Super Bowl, and it was like top two offenses versus like number one defense, and and that that just reinforces my belief that defense wins championships. Is that when you have the better defense, you're you're more likely to win. So that that is why the Broncos' defense causes concern for me. Um, do you think that Damian Pierce or Singletary? Per the unofficial depth chart, it's it's Damian Pierce or Devin Singletary as RB1. So I think it's very clearly a by-committee thing. But do you think that one or the other has a clear-cut advantage in terms of their running style when it comes to facing this Broncos defense? Not really. I, I truly think it just depends on scheme. Uh, when you look at, and I've harped on it all season, I'll continue to harp on it. When you look at the running plays, that are called for a Singletary and that are called for Damian Pierce. You get Singletary out on the edges where he's had great success. You ask Damian Pierce to run up the middle, where it's probably the weakest point of, of, of the offensive line, both guards, center, you know, revolving door. And one's had some success. The other one hasn't had a whole lot of success. And it's just, for me, it's that simple. If these plays are are equal, when you've seen Singletary try to go up the middle, he's had nothing. When you get him outside, he's had some success. So I think whether it's Damian Pierce, uh, Mike Boone, uh, Dario Bungbawale, whoever the case may be back there, you got to get to the outside to the strength of this line where you're running at Laramie Tunsil or behind Laramie Tunsil or you're running behind George Fant because they're clearly able to open up some stuff where the guys on the inside cannot. Do you think we might see more of uh, Tank Dell or um, Xavier Hutchinson on those reverses or those designed run plays to try and throw this defense off? Absolutely. I think that's part of the playbook that uh, Bobby Sloak brought up from San Francisco. I think he's been committed to that. We've got different variations, whether it's been uh, Hutch or it's, or it's Dell. I worry about Dell doing it because I just don't want him taking punishment from a big lineman, a, a big edge rusher, something like that. Uh, Hutch is a bigger guy, so I feel like he's more suited to deal with a little bit more punishment running that jet sweep or whatever. But I don't think that playbooks are that leaving the playbook anytime soon. And uh, 
I don't mind it. I I I I like the play call, except I worry about Tank Dell's health. I could I I I agree with you, and I think the best version of that play for Tank Dell is the ones where he gets outside and there's like no one there, so he just kind of runs out of bounds or like you know he doesn't have to take the big hit. Um, as much as I don't like to talk about it, um, and I've seen a few people talk about it on social media, his size does make me think like I don't want him getting hit too hard. I know he's tough. And he's he's fought through quite a lot, but uh, yeah, I'd prefer him to stay uh, as far away from a, a heavy, you know, interior lineman as possible. Um, looking at special teams, do you think so? The Texans worked out Brett Maher. Um, Matt Amendola was signed to the practice squad. Do you think that there's that big of a difference between the two, and do you think that it could be the difference in the game? Is this game like close enough to you that kicking in special teams is going to make a difference? It could be. I hope it's not. I really hope that we're talking about the Texans scoring touchdowns on the PSF app as opposed to them kicking field goals. I really think the field goal position, kicking position, is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately thing. The guy is is great when he hits the game winner. He's dog water when he's missing field goals. So Brett Maher, Danny Amendola, Aldo Greco, doesn't matter. You just bring me somebody that'll make field goals. I, I mean, I'm showing my age a little bit, but it's it's tough. It's so hard. Week to week, those guys are, are, are different animals. One one week they can't miss, the next week it's it's every other. So I don't know. I need to preface this next question that this is an entirely unserious question. <laughs> um, and I don't want you to think that I'm being serious here, but let's, let's say Amendola misses his first field goal of the game. Do you think we see Dario Bungawale come out there and, and kick a field goal? Absolutely not. <laughs> I do not think that that was ever something where they're like, you know what? This is a serious thing. We could use him. You know, he's definitely the emergency guy. Hats off to him. So glad he made it happen. I don't think at any now because we said that the, the the people that listen or or if it gets out there guaranteed Twitter will have somebody going if he misses at all bring me Dare bring me Dare, bring me Dare. Because, I've yeah, already seen that thought process going around as, yep. as what I can only assume is a joke but that's a great example of like how sometimes I refer to like former Texans players as like Texans legends and you know it, that would be a thing where when Dare leaves the squad he would like come up on my social media feed and I would be like, I would like retweet it and be like, yeah, you know, Texans legend, Dario Bungalale. And people would be like, what? No, absolutely not. And I'd be like, no, he's a Texans legend because of that one field goal he made that one time. <laughs> Speaking of te- Texans legends, Andre Johnson, Hall of Fame ballot. He needs to be a Hall of Famer. I know this is not Broncos, Texans related. No, I, but, I'm uh, all for it. I'm all for I, this conversation. I, Absolutely feel like this is a wrong that needs to be righted. And if he's not in, we riot. Uh, speaking of Tank Dell, earlier we were talking about the jet sweep thing. One play that I'd love to see him run that Andre ran all the time, which was so good, was that wide receiver screen where they made the little wall, get it out to him real quick and turn him loose. Give me that play with Nico and Hutch and Woods blocking in front, all those big bodies, and let Tank Dell run wild. Uh, give me that. Speaking of Tank Dell and Andre Johnson and, and the territory that we're in, Texans rookie wide receivers, Andre Johnson currently holds the record for the most receiving yards in a season at like 950-something, I want to say. That number's not precise. It's in the 900 somewhere. 
Um, but Tank Dell has already broken the rookie um, touchdown record, and he's very well primed with six games left in the season. He has 750-ish yards. Um, he's very in very good position to be the Texans' record holder for for rookie or receiving yards, and I'm hype about that. I'm hyped to see Tank Dell become the next receiver that the Texans send out as like that that guy. It's just so hard to make the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver. The the expectations, guys like even like Marvin Harrison, I'm pretty sure like sat there for a long time before they said, "Oh yeah, you're good to go. You are in the Hall of Fame now." So it's just it's hard to get in. And so as much as I think that Andre Johnson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, I'm just trying to temper my expectations for when the Hall of Fame inevitably lets me down and doesn't pick him up. And so there, once again, one minute, here's me saying something that I definitely don't want to happen so that we can play it back when it does. And I can be wrong. <laughs> so you're welcome guys for that one. This I hope me. you're right. I'm doing my duty as a Texans fan and making sure I say the wrong thing so that good things happen to the Texans. So if you're superstitious or maybe just a little stitious, you're welcome. All right. Um, let's, Let's get to our um, segment. We've been working on a new uh, new bit where we uh, we go. It's the bullpen parlay. We each give you our our, our little put together sheets for the game. And um, and right now I'm zero and one. Tom's one and zero. Uh, and and we'll see we'll see who gets it right. So here goes nothing. All right, guys. So for my bullpen parlay, um, I've picked Cortland Sutton anytime touchdown over half. Now Cortland Sutton has only failed to score. In three games this season, so a high probability that he gets a touchdown and the multipliers up there. Um, Devin Singletary is my pick for over on the rushing yards because the Broncos' rush defense is just simply not that great. And then I'm sticking with Tank Dell again for the anytime touchdown. Um, that's another one that's a high multiplier, and he's on a streak right now of four games in a row where he has scored a touchdown, so I have high confidence that he will do it again. As usual, all of my picks have come from sleeper picks. All right, guys, here's a few plays that I love in this Texans-Broncos matchup on the Prize Fix app that I think we can make some money on. I really think C.J. Stroud, until they push his number up around 280, is just too low. His prop is 265.5 yards. I'm taking the over there. I think that's an easy one. If I love C.J., then I have to love one of his pass catchers, Nico Collins. He's at 56 and a half yards. I think that's still way too low. Uh, we've seen Nico uh, crush that prop. Uh, going the other way, I think you really need to look at Cortland Sutton. He's at 54 and a half yards. Uh, he's been really good. He's exceeded that three of the last four games. I think that's a play you can go with. And these are some plays that I think you can make some money on if you want to have, have some skin in the game in this Texans-Broncos matchup on the Prospect app. All right, and with that, we'll get into our predictions for today's game. Um, or sorry, not today's game. Wow, I, I you know I wish it was today's game. If it was today's game, that would mean that I would you know I'd be watching football today. Um, but we'll get into the predictions for the Texans Broncos game. Tom, I want to I really want to hear what you have to say because honestly, I'm like not fully sure that we're going to be on the same page, or I, I don't know what the 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 vibe is here. It's it's so tough because you look at this Broncos team and you just don't know how to peg them. I mean, I truly feel like it's going to be a 21-17 Texans win. 
It's what I feel like. I want to say the spread in Vegas is four and a half points. So that's right there at that line. And um, the, 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 the Texans are favored. So I could see it being right there. And then Vegas just making all the money because it's smack dab in the middle of it. So I don't know. That's, that's what I have. I feel like that, that Broncos defense is going to be good, but I think the Texans are going to be able to overcome it. I feel like the Texans defense is going to be better. And while the Broncos are going to be able to move the football, it'll be a lot of then don't break. And, uh, that's what I got. So my prediction is a little closer. And it's so this is the first time I feel like all season, probably this is going to be my lowest scoring prediction. Um, I'm going 17 to 14 with the Texans. Um, I just, I, I feel like with the Broncos defense, that the Texans are going to struggle early. Um, I have them with a comeback victory. We'll get we'll roll right into story time. I'll set the scene for you. The score is fourteen to seven. It is the um, is there's about ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Texans are driving. Um, CJ leads a nice uh, five minute drive and gets the touchdown for the Texans. Um, on the ensuing kickoff, Matt Amendola um, pulls his hamstring while kicking the ball. Uh, and so that's not fun, right? Um, and then the Broncos are driving. They bring, they get a lot of time off the clock, and uh, they set up for like a 58-yard field goal with like a minute and a half left. Wide right, can't hit it. Like all the leg in the world just can't get it through the uprights. So the Texans set up shop in a good position, minute and 30 left. Um, the, the drive kind of gets bungled. It's another week where CJ just, he's hanging on to the ball a long time. He's trying to make the moves. They know they don't have their kicker right now. He's out. So like they need to get really close or they need to score a touchdown, but it's 14 to 14, you know, no pressure. If they don't do it, it's overtime. Right. So they're, they're making their way down the field. Um, CJ takes a sack, uh, but, but then he makes up for it, moves the ball down the field, sets the Texans up at the 15 yard line with two seconds left. Um, and who else but Dario Bungawale trots out onto the field. You know, D'Amico said, I've trusted him once. I'll trust him again. And this time, Dario Bungawale hits a, um, if I'm not mistaken, from 15 yards, I believe that is a 30-ish yard field goal. 32, I think 32. it is. 32. So Dario Bungawale lines up, just barely squeaks it in through the left upright. Um, and the Texans win 17-14. to 14. I, And I know what you're thinking, James, we just... We just talked about how Dario Bungawale would never kick for this team, even if Amendola missed a kick. And that's why I injured Amendola in my story time to make sure that that happened. Because I am 0 for, uh, 0 for 11. I, I'm 0 and 11 right now in story time. So I, I thought I might as well be as outrageous as possible in this one. If for any reason, any reason at all, <laughs> this gets even close to story time, they're going to name the Texans the Cardiac Kids because this is unbelievable territory to have to go and get a special teams guy to kick not one, but two game-winning field goals for your team. So my question for you is, is on, based on the story time, you're D'Amico Ryans. You're, you're Bobby Slowick. You are whoever's making the final decision in this situation. It's, it's two seconds left in the game. You're at the 15-yard line. 14 to 14. Do you, do you go for it? Do you give CJ the ball and try and throw a touchdown or do you kick that field goal? You kick it because you know that Dari can do it. It's just, 
anyone else would not. Anyone else is not running out the emergency kicker to kick that field goal. They're they're rolling the dice and throwing the ball in the end zone, especially when you got a guy like CJ and a guy like Tank Dell and Nico and Bobby Trees and and Hutchinson and and all the and, and Schultz that can go get you a touchdown. Well, but it, in my mind, the fact that there's it's tied makes it doesn't make the decision any easier because now you're like, well, if we miss the field goal, it doesn't matter, so we might as well try out the kicker. And then on the other side, you're like, but we have a better chance with the with CJ, and if we miss, then it doesn't matter. But both sides also present high risk. So if anything goes wrong with the kick, or if Dari just misses it entirely, biffs it, and it's blocked, they could return it for a touchdown game over. If CJ drops back and tries to do too much, or if, if the coverage is there and there's an interception, all of a sudden it's returned 100 yards and the Broncos win in regulation. So like neither op- both options have their downs and upsides. Um, I personally, I, I agree with you. I'd try out Dari. I'd let him take a shot at kicking it. I think especially because he's also at home too. The fact that he's in his own building and it's a dome probably presents a much better kicking environment as if they were in Denver, even though mile high is, is notorious for, you know, the, the higher altitude, you can kick the ball longer, all that jazz. It'd be harder it, against the crowd noise and all that jazz to kick a field goal as opposed to your own building. Yeah, I agree. I think that all the factors point towards that, but I just think it's a fun question. You know, I like, I like the hypotheticals. I like dealing in those even, you know, I I'm getting away from them as the Texans get better. I don't have to think hypothetically because reality is so much better than the hypothetical, you know, but I, I guess, do you have any more thoughts on the Texans Broncos matchup before we bring this to a close? No, I really think it's going to be a really good game. I can't discount what the Denver Broncos have been doing lately, who they've beat. You know, they beat a, a Vikings team that was red hot. They beat a Browns team, even without their quarterback, that was playing amazing football. So the Texans are really going to have to bring it, I think, to win this football game. I don't think this is a team that's going to roll over. Uh, much like Arizona tried to, you know, mess up their their playoff aspirations, Denver will absolutely do that. And they have way more to play for. So looking forward to the Texans getting it done. I, I agree. All, all that you just said is, is amazing. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm still caught on last week. My last thoughts are Tank Dell caught it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I am excited for this game. I think the Texans can certainly win it. Um, I'm looking forward to a low-scoring affair. I also hope they prove me wrong there and, and run the score up on the Broncos, but um, I, I'm looking forward to another CJ Stroud masterclass. Let CJ cook, you know. Um, and with that, th- that has been the bullpen. This has been the bullpen. What you just listened to, that was the bullpen. Um, I'm James Roy. This is Tom Chavaria. If you want to find me on social media, it's at M1TexansFan on all platforms. It's also how you can find the YouTube channel for this podcast. And then Tom is at Third Coast Tom on X or Twitter, depending on how old or, or new you are to that game. I will always call it Twitter. Um, And PSF. We're both on the PSF app. We'll be live streaming this game. Uh, It's the last time that we're going to be on for the rest of the season. So tune in. PSF is the way of the future. Download the app. Uh, Join the Texans chat and, you know, join in. Hop in and let's watch the game together. Um, Also, sorry, I thought I had something else there. Um, but I think uh, there's just so many things you have to say at the end here. I'll, I'll leave it with this like comment, subscribe, 
And if you have any constructive criticism or anything, hit Tom's DMs because Tom loves taking the criticisms for us. But also, you know, CC me on that one so that we all know what's going on. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks for watching. Stay classy and uh, vamos Texans.